Financial technology is everywhere today, from digital banking to mobile trading apps to Venmo to cryptocurrency to blockchain. Fintech has changed the way we interact with financial services and the ways in which companies reach their customers. So how are financial regulators keeping up with the newest fintech developments and predicting their impact on the financial industry? Last year, FINRA launched the Innovation Outreach Initiative to address this very issue. Today, we're rejoined by Jaime Werke and Kavita Jane to talk about the initiative itself and their insights into fintech innovations that are driving market activity around the world. Welcome to FINRA Unscripted from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. I'm Chris Van Est, your host for today's show. I'm joined for the second time by, and I will maintain, two of the sharpest minds at FINRA, <laughs> Kavita Jane and Jaime Werke from our Office of Emerging Regulatory Issues. Jaime, Kavita, welcome back to FINRA Unscripted. Thank you, Chris. Thank you. The first time that we talked, we took a broad look at some of the trending topics that are making news in 2018 and took an overview look at what your team does and how you approach your work. And today we wanna focus on innovation and technology. And so the first question that I will ask, the Innovation Outreach Initiative. Jaime, I'll start with you. Why was the initiative created and what is on the horizon for it? So the initiative was created out of a desire to better engage with industry on issues around various new technology applications that people were incorporating into their business model, and also to find out ways that we could potentially um, help facilitate innovation that was served the investor protection mandate and served the market integrity mandate. Right. And so along these lines, we thought, you know, it'd be good to have a well-orchestrated kind of initiative that was around the organization. And that's really what the innovation outreach is designed to be, incorporating various segments of FINRA to look at issues around innovations and how they affect the entities that we regulate. To be a little bit more specific about it, the innovation outreach initiative probably has five parts. One is that we've started the FinTech Industry Committee that's really designed to have a resource where we have both member firms and outside participants that are very active and very senior in the innovation space be both a sounding board and a window into what's going on in the real world. Right, and then help guide us about what issues they're seeing about kind of as innovations are being developed, whether it be blockchain, whether it be AI, whether it be various forms of data aggregation, how that is butting up against either FINRA rules or how the type of services FINRA may be providing. In addition to that, uh, one of the other aspects is to have a series of regional roundtables to get a broader perspective from various segments of the industry about what's going on in innovation. So we've already had an, a roundtable in Dallas. We've had a roundtable in San Francisco and in New York as well. And, and through that, we're really hoping to get, again, kind of a broader perspective about what are top-of-the-mind concerns for people that are operating in this space and what can FINRA do to help, keeping in mind the areas of investor protection as well as market integrity. Another area of the initiative is really around kind of providing appropriate training for staff especially as issues around, for example, ICOs, cryptocurrencies are coming up around AI and surveillance around issues around AI, giving staff 
a window into some of the key issues that are going out within the broker-dealer community. And then we also work on reg coordination, again, talking to both domestic and international regulators are operating in this space. Some of the names include ESMA within Europe, the UK FCA. ESMA is basically the securities regulator for the EU. And they basically cover all the jurisdictions within the EU. Sure. The UK FCA is basically the financial regulatory arm for the UK. And then domestically with folks such as the SEC, the CFTC, and, and some of the banking regulators talking to them about areas around innovation as well. And then finally, it's really designed to allow us, as we get all this information, have a resource that we can provide the information out to the public. So this comes through various forms of publications. These can be either in the forms of investor alerts, which we actually recently just did one on data aggregation. We've also previously done one on ICOs. We've done one on uh, digital investment advice, as well as working on various white papers to give people kind of a more in-depth view about various technology-related issues. So we've done one on blockchain. We've done one, on again, on digital investment advice. And we've lately been taking a deep look into an area of, of fintech knows as regtech and how people are using technology to help with compliance-related issues. So I want to come back to those roundtables and on initial coin offerings. But before we do that, let's start from the beginning. Fintech, regtech. You know, when I go home for Christmas, you ask five of my family members, and you'll get five different answers about what either of them are. And they're mostly all wrong. So help us unpack that a little bit, the issues related to financial technology and regulatory technology. Sure. And pretty much it seems like you can add a tech to any type of word and then you got a new trend, right? Right. So fintech is really an umbrella term described to use financial technology-related innovations. And in a sense, it's not new because technology has been changing the way the financial markets operate for a long period of time, long before the term fintech was coined. But what I think is new, or at least a little different, is that there, there's a confluence of these various types of technologies and the pace at which things are being changed within the industry, right? So I think that's kind of why these terms were coined. But fintech can cover a broad set of issues, anything from AI to issues around kind of blockchain to issues around kind of social media sentiment investing. So it's really an umbrella term to pick up all the different areas that technology is changing the financial landscape. I think it's also, in addition to what Jaime mentioned, the confluence of these various technologies, I think it also has really gained momentum because of the impact it's making on how financial products and services are offered. So I oftentimes, when people ask me this question, I answer with another question saying, when was the last time you went to a bank to deposit a check? And that really is, you know, at a simplest form, the impact of fintech, how it is revolutionizing the way products and services are offered in our industry. Everything is mobile-based now. You can go to a platform and look at your bank balance, your investment balance, your mortgage balance, and combine it all and determine kind of what your investment profile should be. So let's stick with fintech and regtech. And in talking about Kavita, you described just the change of the user experience and how, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, you'd sign your check, you'd go to the bank and deposit your check. And now today that's clearly different. And I feel like two years ago at the Consumer Electronics Show, everybody was talking about wearables. And last year it was all about AI. And so I want to talk about artificial intelligence. How is it impacting the financial industry? Sure. So just like fintech, artificial intelligence is a term of art. There is no technical definition of it. It covers a spectrum of technologies where 
On the one end, there are simple things like process automation that is used to really just automate repetitive processes. And on the other end of the spectrum, there are really sophisticated, complex algorithms used to facilitate things like deep learning and cognitive computing and machine learning. And it really is being used by the industry across the spectrum. So you may see things like artificial intelligence used for chatbots and to assist with customer service. You may see our use of AI in the wealth management space where we're starting to see this slow but steady use of AI-based techniques to assist investors in developing their financial portfolios or to assist financial advisors in staying abreast of their clients' preferences. So for example, there are tools today that can send a financial advisor a quick email every morning saying, this client of yours has a birthday, or this client of yours may be having a baby based on their social media feed. So you may want to send them some information about a 529th plan. We're also seeing the use of artificial intelligence internally within an organization for things like surveillance tools and conduct monitoring tools. And then last but not the least, we're seeing use of AI in the research space, both by sell-side firms and by buy-side firms. And the idea here is to leverage the technology, not just to read and process vast amounts of data from traditional sources, but also to tap into non-traditional sources. So we hear things like the use of geolocation services to determine what the parking lots of big box retailers look like, to then in turn translate that into what made the earnings forecast of that retailer, or to tap into things like social media to determine, you know, again, to kind of get the news at the earliest possible stage so that funds can try to trade on those strategies. Really, they're all kind of in a hunt for alpha. An example I like to use often is if there's an explosion in the mine that provides copper to a popular cell phone provider, people want to know about that explosion as early as they can. So if there's a passerby or a miner who happens to be outside who would tweet about that explosion, there's this desire to know about that right away so that can then translate into what is its impact on a particular issuer. Sure. And so from the regulatory side, what's the significance? Yeah, so there's, you know, I don't want to downplay, there's a lot of positive to the use of this technology. Again, it can help firms really gain efficiencies and be more risk-based and try to find better strategies with respect to trading and investing. But there are also concerns. So for example, with the use of social media sentiment, there are concerns of possible manipulation of social media sentiment. And there have been enforcement actions in the past where someone can, under a false Twitter handle, try to spread fake news, which can then impact the sentiment and there is a domino effect there. There is also the question of how the rules interact with the use of these emerging technologies and whether firms are keeping up their own internal compliance and supervisory programs to adapt to this growing use of technology. And then internally, to answer your question about how FINRA is using this internally, internally we're adapting the technology in a various of different areas. So in our market surveillance program, for example, we are using artificial intelligence to assist with the identification of potential market manipulation or spoofing. So we're creating new patterns based on AI to really augment our human analysts' capital and time 
Jaime, I want to turn back to you to throw another acronym into the conversation, SUPTEC, Supervisory Technology, another buzzword. We're starting to hear more and more about it. And so what does it refer to and how is it different and related to RegTech? So I start off by saying I think FinTech is an umbrella term, right? So under that umbrella, I would probably put RegTech. And you could probably put soup tech either underneath that reg tech umbrella or maybe beside it. (laughs) Now we uh, need a chart here. Exactly. But soup tech really refers to uh, technology that's used by regulators themselves in the process of supervision. Potentially can be used to refer to firms themselves that use it as a supervisory type of function. So in that sense, it's really the use of technology to assist with supervision of rules and making sure that there's compliance with those rules. A related question, how is FINRA leveraging technology to assist with our own supervision and surveillance efforts? Kavita, you talked a little bit about AI, but you know, Jaime, what else are we doing? So I would preface this by saying that the people who are really taking the leads in this area are our technology group and our market regulation group. But some of the areas that they have been working on is around kind of cloud computing. And there's been lots of articles around this. I think Steve Randich actually had an article describing how the use of cloud computing assisted us during this period of volatility. And in addition to that, we're looking at various AI tools to help augment some of our market regulation work. In addition, internally, for example, within our own group in ERI, we've been looking at things like natural language processing to assist in our efforts for doing research, trying to ferret out what issues that we're seeing more in the financial press, as well as what areas should we be thinking about more based off kind of what's in there without having to necessarily read every article that's in existence. And it's still in its infancy, but it gives you an example of how regulators can kind of use some of these technologies to assist with their own efforts as well. So the last issue I want to talk to you guys about is cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, blockchain. Kavita, I will address this question to you. Bitcoin, blockchain, what's the difference? What do folks need to know? Sure. So you're right, Chris. There is a lot of confusion. So let's start kind of from the very basic level. Blockchain is a technology. Bitcoin is a virtual currency or a cryptocurrency. A Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency that first introduced the blockchain technology. That's why a lot of times they're used synonymously and can be confusing. However, blockchain technology can be used for a whole variety of purposes, including for redoing back office operations or for setting up new systems for trading. So blockchain's a technology. Bitcoin is a virtual currency. There are other similar products that are also loosely defined sometimes as virtual currencies. So it could be Ether, it could be Ripple. Basically, there, there have been subsequently in the last two, three years, there are other distributed ledger networks that have been developed. And then there is a third area called ICOs or initial coin offerings. And an initial coin offering really is a capital raising method that is used primarily by blockchain-based startups where They seek capital from investors, and in exchange, they provide a native token or a native coin. It's the crypto coin of that company or that startup. And so what do investors need to know? You know, as their friend from their happy hour tells them, man, you've got to get on Bitcoin. (laughs) It's up, yeah, 250%. How do you make sense of it? 
the biggest thing that's important for investors to realize or to at least decipher is whether the product that they're looking at is offered within a securities regulatory framework. A lot of ICOs in 2017 were conducted outside of the securities regulatory framework. And so investors end up losing a lot of the benefits that come with that framework. Lack of disclosures, lack of really understanding what the business is proposing to do, lack of information about the vesting schedule, concerns around security, you know, whether the tokens that they get, they will be able to liquidate them at some point or not. So really, I I would say investors need to A, do their homework, and B, if they do decide to proceed in this area, to invest in this area, they need to be willing to lose that money. This is a very new area. There are a lot of unknowns. And so I wouldn't take out my savings and put that in the crypto world. Well, that's all good to know. Last question on this topic. What comes next here? The crypto space, it's still evolving. A lot that's unknown. So much has happened just in the last two years. I don't think two years back, anybody would have thought of this concept of initial coin offerings. I do think that the underlying technology still holds a lot of promise. And now that the hype has died down a little bit, there are organizations that are looking to continue exploring this technology. And I think we'll see great adoption of the technology. And I do have to say, Kavita definitely deserves a lot of credit in this area. Even before I joined the organization, she'd been looking at some of these issues and trying to bring them to the forefront of the organization. So I think it goes to some of the forward-looking kind of nature of our group. Yes, absolutely. I was just going to also add for our listeners, if they want more information about our work in this space, it's www.finra.org slash fintech. Fantastic. Well, perhaps we can do another show with a deeper dive on blockchain. Thank you both for joining. <laughs> uh, it's you, been Chris. great having you on the show. Look forward to continuing our dialogue. For our listeners, if you have ideas, topics, questions for future guests, please feel free to email us at finraunscripted at finra.org. We'll look forward to another edition very soon. In the meantime, have a great day. I'm your host, Chris Van S. Thanks very much. Take care. Thanks for listening today. If you want to learn more about Finner's Office of Emerging Regulatory Issues, visit us at finner.org slash podcasts and visit the page for this episode. If you have an idea for a future podcast, email us at finnerunscripted at finner.org or reach out to us on social media. I'm Chris Van Ness from Washington, D.C., and this is Finner Unscripted.